48K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Kenny Hodgart. Tonight's headlines. The observatory says it will consider issuing the number 8 storm signal in the morning as severe tropical storm Naoji approaches western Guangdong. The Hong Kong Monetary Authority says the Global Financial Leaders Investment Summit will go ahead even if the T8 signal is in force and the Hang Seng Index rallied today, closing up over 6% higher. The observatory says it will consider issuing the number 8 storm signal during the day tomorrow as severe tropical storm Naoji approaches western Guangdong. The storm wind signal number 3 is now in force and the observatory says it will remain so before 6 o'clock tomorrow morning. An acting senior scientific officer, Kok Mang Hin, says the latest forecast shows that Naoji will track closer to Hong Kong, skirting around 150 kilometres to the southwest of the territory. Local winds are expected to strengthen progressively tomorrow. The observatory will consider easing the number 8 gale or storm signal during the day tomorrow. However, the exact timing would depend on the actual variation in local winds. Please stay alert and take note of the latest weather bulletin before departing tomorrow morning. The Hong Kong Monetary Authority says tomorrow's Global Financial Leaders Investment Summit will still go ahead even if the number 8 storm warning is in force. The gathering brings together top bankers and asset managers as well as leaders in the private equity, hedge fund and financial technology fields, some of which have attended a gala dinner at the M Plus Museum this evening. The formal discussions begin tomorrow with the Governor of the People's Bank of China, Yi Gang, a late addition to the list of speakers. He and other state regulators will take part in recorded interviews moderated by Monetary Authority Head Eddie Yu. In total, four top-level executives have dropped out of the summit, but Finance Chief Paul Chan, who's returned to Hong Kong from Qatar, said it still affirms Hong Kong's status as a global financial hub. Regarding the four people who couldn't come, it's understandable because some of them have caught COVID. However, those who are coming are the highest-ranking leaders from finance firms. Actually, their presence can show their positivity about Hong Kong's status as a financial centre and its investment opportunities. Health authorities confirmed that Mr Chan can join the the summit tomorrow, but not the banquet later in the day. A PCR result upon arrival from the Middle East showed he has recovered from COVID. The Hang Seng Index has closed over 6% or nearly 900 points higher today. The AFP news agency says investors had been factoring in the possibility of less aggressive interest rate rises in the US as well as an unverified report that the mainland is considering eating its COVID rules. A foreign ministry spokesman later said he was unaware of the situation. Altus Wong has more. The rally came in the wake of a social media post that suggested mainland officials were forming a committee to discuss rolling back some of the zero-COVID policies. The appearance of the unverified document rammed up hopes that the economy could begin opening up again. But neither state media nor government officials 
have suggested that the meeting actually took place, nor that such a committee had been established, raising questions about veracity. Meanwhile, a rally had already been taking place as investors bet that the Fed would hint at a slowdown in the pace of U.S. rate hikes. The UN-led centre coordinating the Black Sea grain export deal says three more vessels have left Ukrainian ports despite Russia suspending its backing for the scheme. The centre says the sailings were agreed by Ukrainian, Turkish and UN delegates, with Moscow being informed. The first ships since the Russian suspension left Ukraine on Monday. The Kremlin withdrew its backing after an attack on Russian military targets in occupied Crimea. And a look at the weather. Strong north-northeasterly winds, occasionally gale force offshore and on high ground. Winds will strengthen gradually during the day and seas will be rough. Squally showers becoming more frequent later in the day. And it will be cooler with temperatures ranging between 18 and 22 degrees. The outlook still windy to begin with on Thursday. The rain will ease off gradually. Sun, sunny intervals in the following couple of days. It's currently 22 degrees with relative humidity of 67%. You're tuned to RTHK. The time is five minutes past 11. The Chief Executive, John Lee, has defended an amendment giving the Health Secretary the power to invalidate COVID vaccine exemption certificates. The change was made days after the High Court ruled that the law in its original form did not empower the Health Chief to to void more than 20,000 such certificates. These had been issued by seven doctors who have since been arrested on suspicion of misconduct. Mr Lee made his remarks ahead of the weekly Exco meeting when a reporter suggested the government had chosen the, uh, to change the law rather than accept the verdict. Mr Lee had this to say. The judgment indicates that, well, there is a gap which needs to be filled and therefore, according to the judgment, we take action to fill that gap to ensure that the action we take has a strong legal basis. So that is uh, in full compliance with the principle of the rule of law. The District Court has ruled to admit 17 allegedly seditious articles in a trial involving the now-defunct Stand News as evidence, rejecting defence arguments that some should not be used because they were beyond a six-month prosecution time limit. Wendy Wong reports. Star News parent company Best Pencil Hong Kong Limited, along with former editor-in-chief Chung Pui Kun and former acting chief editor Patrick Lam, are accused of conspiring to publish seditious publications between July 7, 2020 and December 29 last year. Citing the crime's ordinance, the defence challenged the admissibility of 10 of the 17 articles put forward by prosecutors, saying they could not be used as evidence because the charges were laid more than half a year after the reports were published online. The colonial era law states that charges must be laid within six months of an alleged sedition-related offence. The prosecution argued that all 17 articles could be used as evidence of a continuous conspiracy. National Security Judge Kwok Waikin ruled in favour of the prosecution, adding that they are responsible for proving that the defendants had the intent of committing seditious acts. The court then heard in the prosecution's opening statement that the 17 reports in question involved radical individuals or people wanted by police and were made available online. Prosecutors also alleged that the articles had included calls to overthrow the government and for foreign countries to impose sanctions. The trial is expected to last for 20 days. 
The Society for the Protection of the Harbour has decided not to object to a government plan to reclaim a small amount of land in the harbour for the new territory cycle track network, as it believes there's an overriding public need for it. In 2004, the Court of Final Appeal ruled that any reclamation project within the harbour must meet the overriding public need requirement. The 82-kilometre track will connect Mao and Shan and Xunwan. Three kilometres of it run along Victoria Harbour and will require reclamation at two locations. Paul Zimmerman, an honorary advisor to the society, told Vanessa Cheng that there are no alternatives to complete the project. To complete that section, which is also partly in Victoria Harbour, the Shaka track will have to run over the harbour itself. There's no alternative. So we've spoken with government and the engineers and we have deeply studied it and we come to the conclusion there is a public overriding need. There's a great benefit of the cycle track. It allows many more people to enjoy the harbour front. So that's critical that there is a real benefit. We've considered to what extent the engineering has minimised the reclamation. So exactly what kind of negative impacts will this have on the harbour? The immediate negative impact is that you basically reduce the size of the harbour. It's very small. Now, the common man will have other issues as well. I mean, do you damage the ecology of the harbour? Do you impact the shipping traffic? In this particular area, there's no any ecological impact or impact on shipping. So the harbour ordinance establishes a presumption against reclamation in the harbour, And you also mentioned about the overriding need. So what exactly is the overriding need which makes your society agreeing with the government's decision to do reclamation? There is a public overriding need for going with a bicycle all the way around the new territories. And this is the final section. So the cycle track is also designed for people to enjoy the environment and it will help people enjoy the harbour. I want to know if this is a normal practice or is this an exceptional case? Are there any other projects which have the importance to the extent or it can override the ordinance and can have reclamation? So it then comes to the detail of each project. As a society of protection of the harbour, we are very keen that people enjoy the harbour. So it's not only preserved, but it's also enjoyable. And so projects that allow people to enjoy the harbour as a harbour, if there is some reclamation required for them, that has to be balanced against the improvement of people's enjoyment of the harbour. So putting public need aside, the goal of the society is to protect the harbour, right? You mentioned that reclamation does have negative impacts on the harbour. So do you think this contradicts with the objective? If, if you want to allow people to enjoy the harbour and that requires some reclamation, but you can decide not to do the reclamation, well, then people won't be able to enjoy that harbour, you know, so by being able to get there on their bicycles. So you have to make that trade-off, and that's you have to make a judgment. There are so many great benefits for the community as a whole uh, that uh, we should all believe support this project and have no objection and um, uh, so that more people can enjoy the harbour. Organisers of the Standard Chartered Hong Kong Marathon say they're hoping for some fast times when the SAR's biggest mass participation sporting event returns next year. To help, they're bringing some uh, elite international athletes to town, where local participants will have a cash incentive to set quick times. Kelly Yu has all the details. 
Speaking at the launch of the marathon, organizers from the Hong Kong Association of Athletics Affiliates confirmed that top runners from around the world will be among those lining up on February the 12th. The association's chairman, Quan Ki, said they are looking to go beyond the standard required by the international governing body, World Athletics, for its gold label events. We must guarantee at least six men and six women uh, with the gold label results, but I trust there will be more to come. Leading local athletes have welcomed the prospects of competition from overseas. The winner of last year's men's marathon, Wong Kai Lok, said he was pushed to a better time by the Japanese runner who came second. Virginia Lo, who won the women's 10 kilometers at last year's marathon, said the prospects of taking on elite international runners was encouraging. Being able to compete with the international athlete is one of the best experience for us. To be able to learn from them and then to be able to compete with them is one of the best way for us to learn as a runner how to become a better runner, how to become a more professional runner like them. And the prospect of beating races from overseas isn't the only incentive for local athletes. There will also be a $10,000 cash prize for those who achieve an outstanding time. That's men who complete the marathon within three hours or women who cross the finish lie within three and a half hours. The number of people taking part in the marathon, half marathon and 10-kilometer race has been kept at 25,000, far below the 70,000 participants in pre-pandemic days. But Mr. Kwan says there is still hope of increasing the quota. Hopefully, if the uh, pandemic situation can be changed, we hope to negotiate with the government and see if there are any chance to raise a little bit of the numbers. Registration for the marathon, half marathon and 10km races opens on Friday, with elite runners and those eligible for guaranteed places able to sign up first. Runners who want to join the public ballots for remaining places can sign up from November the 15th to the 21st. The marathon and half marathon will again start in Shimsha Chu, while the 10km race will begin at the Island Eastern Corridor. All races will finish at Victoria Park. Participants will have to be triple jabbed, and they are required to take a PCR test result provided by organizers within two days of the event and present a negative rapid antigen test on race day. South Korea's Interior Minister has apologized and admitted government responsibility for the crush that killed 156 Halloween revelers in Seoul on Saturday. Lee Sang-min had previously provoked anger, anger when he said police couldn't have done more to prevent the tragedy. He's now said he deeply regrets those remarks. South Korea's Chief of Police, Yoon Hee-kyun, has also admitted that his force failed in its response. As a representative of the police, I feel heavy responsibility. I feel deep responsibility for public safety, and we will do our best to make sure such a tragedy as this never occurs again. Quick look at the weather again. Strong north to northeasterly winds, occasionally gale force offshore and on high ground. It's currently 22 degrees with relative humidity of 67%. That's the news from RTHK. RTHK Radio Heavenly shades of night are falling. It's twilight time. Out of the mist, your voice is calling, tis twilight time. When purple-colored curtains mark the end of day, I'll hear you, my dear, at twilight time. 
And to one and all, a very good evening and welcome to Twilight Time, Mondays to Fridays, 45 minutes of music from that old part of the world. If you'd like to choose a song, it's Radio Peter Gmail. Good mixture for you between now and midnight. Hope you'll enjoy them. As our first one is a request for Jimmy, a song from Frank Sinatra. Stormy 
since my gal and I ain't together. Keeps raining all. 